This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Net. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Until noon, Point Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and Ken Miller. Uh, 15 minutes, thereabouts. Zuba Mahente, our friend from ESPN Radio and Sports Center. Although I don't think I've seen him on TV since the radio thing has taken off. And I he thought either. that they were going to double dip him for a while just to get his uh, more brand recognition mm-hmm. for Zubin. Obviously, the other two dudes have it. Um, but uh, anyways, we'll speak with Zubin. We'll go around the world of sports uh, with Zubin. We're going to do baseball j- just real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just watching. Is Patrick Mahomes... I can't get off this kid, Trent. I, I know. Jesus, he's just so fun to watch. And, and I'm a fan of the Broncos. Yeah. Uh, is he the most... Dy- eh, it's a stupid question. What? Where does he fit in the dy- sports dynamic? I mean, is there a better baseball player? You know, a baseball- Mike Trout. Okay, is, so he's the face. When you line up the faces of their respective sports, mm-hmm. does Trout dominate baseball the way Mahomes is dominating football? It's sport to sport. It is. And when you talk football, you talk a lot more guys. Uh-huh. Baseball, in terms of star power, you get Trout in a team that never wins. Mm-hmm. But he is the most valuable player seemingly every year. Would Patrick Mahomes, if he played for the Jets, mm-hmm. where would the Jets be? Undefeated. <laughs> it's kind of my point. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I remember when Aaron Rodgers was hurt a few years ago, and I can't remember. Maybe we had Kenny White on. It was a handicapper, Chris. Mm-hmm. Andrews. Oh, how many points was yeah. the difference? Yeah. And it was, he, we were surprised how low it was because I think it was. Four and a half, five and a half, something in that range. And boy, it feels like it should be a lot more. If Aaron Rodgers at that point was, let's say it was five. Is he 10? Oh, Is he 12? Sure. Is he two touchdowns? He's on a completely different level is. than anybody else. It, it just, it takes it to this wild, it feels so hyperbolic. And you know, working with me now, I hate ridiculous hyperbolic statements i i, I do too but i just said that we're, we just talked about them going six well i did <laughs> you did you, you did. didn't walk down that path <laughs> i didn't want to go down there right. no but yeah he's a different level lamar jackson's a really nice quarterback mm-hmm. he's the mvp a year ago mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is a really nice quarterback we never had these kind of conversations with him did we have these conversations go back joe montana yeah but he had like this no no we've no. never had a nfl player that has had this type of conversation. And I rooted for, I think, one of the greatest that's ever played the game. But it wasn't close to this. No. It wasn't close. Brady, with all of the rings, never had the personnel. But, you, you know, I mean, Travis Kelsey's really gifted and Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill is really fast. 
and they've got a running game now, and they've got a tremendous mind calling the shots, two of them, and Biennemi and mm-hmm. Andy Reid. I mean, two of them, for crying. Uh, Eric Biennemi is the next host, uh, coach of the New York Jets. Yeah. I don't think Gase, if Denver finds a way to win Thursday, mm-hmm. I'm not sure Gase gets through, gets to week five. He shouldn't. He shouldn't. You know, Dan Quinn, these back-to-back just monumental losses mm-hmm. that Atlanta's had, yeah, he had the loss in the Super Bowl, but he got him to the Super Bowl. Right. And I don't know. There, there seems like there's a connection with him and Arthur Blank with the Jets and Adam Gase. No, there's nothing there. Just get rid of him. Yeah. The dude and just looks put like he's inter- hopped up on goofballs <laughs> as he's sitting at press conferences. Ooh, those eyes. He's just, he's not a beloved figure. Uh-uh. Dan Quinn, there's something to put your arm around him. I mean, got the benefit of the doubt last year when maybe he should have been let go. Adam Gase, though. I know there's odds out there. I haven't looked at them lately. Oh, he has to be overwhelming. Yeah. As soon as Friday? If, if Denver win, wins, and I hope they don't, um, <laughs> then we'll see. All right, so let's do, the, uh, let's do Major League Baseball. Okay. Uh, you, you want to take a quick peek at our predictions before the year? No, because everything changed. It did change. All right, let's do it. We Go did back. pretty well. All right. Oh, well, then I really want to look that. Well, you did have Tampa win in the American League East. Okay. I had the Yankees, so you got that one. Yeah. I had the Twins. You did go with the White Sox to win the Central. And I thought I was going to put you it You were looking bank. good. Yeah. I had Oakland. And that was one of my favorites before the year because you got them at, I think I got them two, plus 215 to win the division. And they won the division. Who and did I have? Yet Houston. Okay. Who still got into the playoffs. Finished, and then yeah. when we thought it was just going to be five teams making the playoffs, your wild cards were the Twins and Yankees. Both teams okay. made it. Yeah. I had Cleveland and Houston. Both teams made yeah. it. So We're all over the American League. National League. Not so much. I know I had Washington. Uh, you did have Washington. Yeah. I had ATL, so good there. Yeah. You had Cincinnati. They're in. They're in. I had Milwaukee. Here's, They're I'm, in. That's true. I still think, it's crazy to say, I think Cincinnati is still the best team in the Central. I do. Most talented? The pitching staff, Trent. They're the most complete team. Castillo, Bauer, and Gray, one, two, three, in any order? I think they're the only team that can make the World Series out of the Central. Uh, interesting call. Uh, yes, because they're they're away from the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. They won't see them until the NLCS. Okay, uh, so keep going. Who do we have? Well, we all have we the took Dodgers. the layup with the Dodgers, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was the, the free, free space in the middle. You had St. Louis, all right, Okay, and Philly. Who looked good until the final weekend? I had St. Louis and Arizona. Yeah. What was I thinking there? I'm with you there. That's that, a... that was an ugly one. A World Series predictions: You had the Dodgers over the White Sox. I went Homer Twins over the Dodgers. Well, look at it's. It's going to take a lot to beat the Dodgers. Let's hope obviously. we get one of those two. It'd be fun. Yeah, It'd be fun. All right, so let's do let's do the bracket like we're filling out our March Madness bracket. Okay, all, all right. right, I like that. Yep. So get the bracket in front of you. We'll yep. start on the top left where the one seed resides in the American League. Uh, Tampa and the Blue Jays. I, we're both going to move Tampa onward, right? Yes. So yeah. no change there. Are you going to fill it out? I got it right here. Yep. Got good stuff. All right. Uh, then below them, Cleveland and the Yankees. Who are you taking? <laughs> Indians. Are you? I'm going Cleveland. All right. I'll go Yankees, and I'm not going Yankees just to be different. Um, the Mayhew's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Voight's unbelievable. The top of the rotation, Garrett Cole, Tanaka. I'll take the Yanks. Twins and the Astros. I'm going to advance your Minnesota Twins. I'm going to jump on board, too. I'm actually believing in my team, something I rarely do. Uh, and then at the bottom, and this isn't just because I picked the White Sox. I want to see the Twins and the White Sox so badly. Oh, yeah. That would be Because we go, we're th- to, to, this is how it works, folks. This is the format. Three games, 
five games, seven, seven. So the division series are best of fives. Um, I'll take the White Sox to get past the A's. What about you? I got Oakland you got in Oakland. this one. I'm going to go Oakland. So a couple of differences there, a couple of the same. NL. Okay. Well, free space. Free space. Yep. Can't go any other direction. Dodgers over the can. Brew Crew. Now this one's tricky because of the because of the injuries at the with the Padres pitchers. Mm-hmm. I thought the Clevenger pickup at the trade deadline was was uh, the the missing link, um, and he's hurt. I'll still take the Padres. I, I don't I don't think we're going to see Jack Flaherty pitch in Game Three. Yeah. I don't think we'll get to that point either. Yeah. So you've got the pods. I think Lament's going to be okay. I think he's going to get the start. Like you said, Clevenger, for them to beat the Dodgers, I think they need him. And now it sounds like there might be a possibility. They're fine beating the Cardinals, though. Uh, I'll say this about the Cubs who take on the Marlins. I don't trust John Lester, and it's that's crazy to say because he's been so good in the postseason. But you you better get Darvish in the win column and follow that up with Hendricks. I'll take the Cubs, Trent. But I'm nervous if this gets to three games uh, to the decisive third game. Last time we saw this series in a playoff series. Oh my gosh, I forgot all about that. Bartman. The Bartman game. I forgot. How uh, many times is that going to be shown? Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, and then on the bottom, I'm going against the grain. I've got two seven seeds advancing. All right, I'll take the Reds. I like Cincinnati. Not I like a, the Braves better. I like the Braves better, yeah. Okay. Give me ATL. So pretty chalky for me in the National League. We go to the divisional round. Tampa for you against the Yankees, for me against the Indians. I'm going to stick with Tampa. Glass now is okay. the difference in that rotation. Uh, they. I hope it's Tampa. I don't want to. What are the Yanks going for, 28 or 29? Is it 20, 29? Is it 28? I think they're at 20. Yeah, I think they're at 27. Well, they got a boatload of them. They do. Uh, I will t- I'm going to take... I'm going to take Tampa Bay. We'll go Cleveland. Okay. I'm going to go off the board you here. like those Indians. They've been playing well. Like them the so last couple will, of weeks. So in your scenario, are you setting up a Twins-Indians <laughs> ALCS? Uh, I will take the... <sighs> Give me the White Sox over the Twins. Going with the White Sox. I'm going... With the Oakland Athletics. It ends in the divisional round the again. Twins for are the out. Twins. twins are out. So you have Tampa White Sox. I have Indians against the A's in the ALCS. The divisional round. And uh, we have it the same until we get to the last one. Dodgers, San Diego. You giving the Padres a shot? Uh, yes, but not now, Trent. I don't yeah. think so. I think uh, um, the pitching staff is too much big of a worry for me. I'll take I'll take the free square. All right, going Dodgers. I'll do the same. You have Cubs, Reds. I have Cubs, Braves. I'm taking the Braves in this one. I'll take Cincinnati. Going Cincinnati. So we both see the Cubs losing in the divisional round. So the Twins are out. Cincinnati's out. The Cardinals are out. The Regionals. Well, I've still got the White Sox alive. You still have the White Sox alive. Do they beat the Tampa Bay Rays to get to the World Series? The answer is no, because I don't trust them after their first two starters. Giolito's fine. Keuchel is fine. Cease is hit and miss. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. I'm going to go with Oakland in this spot. Finish up. You have Reds against the Dodgers. I have Braves against the Dodgers. So you've got 1-2. I've got 1-7. Uh, Dodgers are too good. Dodgers are too good. I'm going chalk there. It's it's nearly impossible to go against this team. They have. I, w- I was looking and trying to find a weak spot. I was kind of looking at their bullpen, as we haven't seen a whole lot of Dodgers this year, mm-hmm. either of us. Oh, boy, I don't really know that name. or I remember that guy. He wasn't no. great. And then I looked as a whole. They have the best opponents batting average against. They have given up the least amount of home runs as a bullpen. And there was one other ridiculous stat that I found on, on the Dodgers there. So even... 
the place where they haven't spent a ton of money, they're still great in the bullpen. Trent, too. They, they, and, they, and they've got, I mean, uh, the, the batting lineup is unbelievable. And you know who statistically might have had the best season out of anybody? And I'm talking Corey Sager, I'm talking Muncie, I'm talking Bellinger, I'm talking Peterson. Will Smith, yeah. not, not the singer, the yeah. catcher. Yeah. Will Smith. I mean, here's a name. You take a look at this Dodger roster, right? And you you got to go pretty in-depth before you pull his name out. They're so, so, so good. So Kenley Jansen at the back of that rotation. Bueller starts game two. Urias game three. I don't know. I just think it's the Dodgers. Give me the Dodgers to win it. Same. Chalk mm-hmm. all the way through. Dodgers to win it. You have them beating Tampa. I have them beating Oakland. Get a rematch of uh, Oakland, L.A. Another good highlight going back in time, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to see that. Found some, uh, you were asking about exact series outcome uh, bets that you can make. I was looking at my twins to sweep the Astros or plus 175 to win it 2-1, plus 225. Astros sweep 4-1 and to win it in three games, 3-1 to mm. for that one. And a bunch of others out there. Playoff baseball, this is different. All right, so you, you've asked the question a couple of different times to our baseball guys. Is this eight-game structure here to stay in each, of the, in each of the leagues? I don't think so. They're going to expand. It's going to be more than five. What was it, seven that they were initially targeting? That was targeting? originally it, yes. What do you think of this six? Okay, so you have the three division winners. Yeah. They are into the divisional round. Your five seed plays the six seed in a one-game playoff. Mm-hmm. The winner of that moves Just on. Just one game? A one-game playoff. Then the winner of that game moves on to play the five, uh, the four seed, excuse me, in oh. what we have currently, best of three in the four seeds ballpark. So you win your division, you're going to get four or five days off, set your rotation. There's going to be something really attached a to winning your division. For winning your division, right. And then you're the best wildcard team. All right, you're waiting, and you get to host this three-gamer against the winner of that one game. Six teams, it feels like it doesn't dilute the regular season too much doing it that route. And the networks get their extra, air quote, series. Yep, get an extra series out of it. You still get the the excitement of that one game that you have to open things up. Because that is pretty special. It is. And I've enjoyed those games that we've had throughout the time. And even the ones that have been shoehorned in here lately when they expanded to five. I think six is the number. You do it that way. That's the plan. I'll call Buster only. I'll get it to him and see if he can get it to the commissioner. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Zubin Mahente will join us next. We'll go around the world of sports with Zubin, NBA, uh, college football. I'm sure we'll be on the docket uh, in NFL as well. Miller and Condon till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.8. Goodbye. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Approaching 1130 here on a Tuesday. Let's get our friend Zuba Mahente, ESPN Radio. Jerry Williams. Keyshawn Johnson, Zubin Mahente manning the ship over at ESPN Radio in the morning. Zubin, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Zubin Mahente. My guess is I didn't see the start of your show. It's awful early. Uh, you had to start with the Monday night affair last night, not just because your network carries it, 
uh, because of the magnitude of the game, and it was built up to be potentially the game of the year. And I'm not making a, uh, I'm not being facetious, saying that it shouldn't have been. It should have been. What didn't turn out to be the game of the year potentially? Uh, but I'm guessing you spent most, at least, the first few segments on the Chiefs. No doubt about it. Mostly them, and I would say a little bit of baseball. We just have so much baseball on our network uh, today, tomorrow, Thursday. I think there's 12 games on ESPN Radio. I think Matt Vaskirgin and A-Rod are calling two games today. We're not trying to fool anybody. We're calling all the games uh, in Bristol just because of the coronavirus. So I think they'll be on the uh, Yankee game later tonight. we got a game on ABC. I'm not even old enough for Monday Night Baseball. So. Oh, I am, and I loved it. <laughs> Al Michaels used to do it, Zubin. It was Al Michaels on Monday Night Baseball in the early 80s, I want to say. 82, 83, 84, somewhere in there. How about that? But yeah. baseball captured the imagination of the nation and awesome. make it stop. We'll see if that's going to be the case this go-around with the uniqueness of it all. But you're right. We started with the with the Ravens and, and the Chiefs, and, and, and I agree with everything you said. I mean, when the schedule first came out, of the 256 games on the schedule, I think I said this this morning, um, you know, there was no game that was more highly anticipated than this one. To your point, it didn't really love, live up to it, but I got to give the Chiefs a ton of credit in, in regard to if we are now looking for the most anticipated game the rest of the season, <laughs> I just think Kansas City is playing at such a level. And I'm not taking anything away from the individual play of Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or even Josh Allen, to be honest yeah. with you. But I think if you're looking forward to the quote unquote, what's the next game of the year? Tampa Bay. Despite the way Seattle, right? You got to say it, right? November 29th, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, the future and the president of the league, the old guard, the new guard, Mahomes and uh, and Tom Brady. A possibility there is a game, maybe December 20th. I think the Chiefs will be in New Orleans. If New Orleans can turn it around, I have no idea if they can. That could be interesting, but obviously, to your point, it's got to be the one with Brady, and hopefully, we get a better result than we did last night but with all due respect to the cowboys who draw like nobody else and those other individuals i mentioned if you're talking about the next big game that people have to stop and watch and and let's be honest the ratings are indicating people are not stopping and watching the way uh, that they used to that game has got to involve the Chiefs. a lot of uh, nfl news uh, on the unfortunate front with the news today from the titans as they had eight uh people overall in their organization three players and five members of their staff Staff test positive. Vikings facility has also been shut down. This is the reality of what we live in. Zubin, did this news come out while you guys were still on the air just afterwards? It came out just afterwards. So I was sitting there watching uh, the guys on first take who now occupy our building as well. Slowly but surely, we're moving everybody back in to sort of feel normal. And the second you feel normal, you get this. And obviously, with these two teams having played and the contact mm-hmm. tracing and all the things that we all deal with on a daily basis, you kind of understand what Minnesota did after the Tennessee outbreak. But to me, the biggest thing, when I, when I look at this type of situation, uh, the league, to its credit, um, has been testing well, and there have been some issues uh, that have been overridden. I mean, they've been able to say any time tests have come back, that they, it's been the fault of the test. They've had a really good process. But I think when I hear this morning's news, they are still trying to. And again, I mean, they did the runway argument. They did the SEC, Big 12, ACC argument. And for the most part, it's worked. We haven't had any games delayed but the league still is publicly said, you know, to privately say it, guys, is one thing. But they've gone out in a public fashion and said, we expect a packed stadium for Super Bowl 55 in Tampa, Florida. I mean, mm-hmm. yesterday there were 250 fans there, and I think you could buy a $55, $45 cutout. But there were 250 fans at that game yesterday. Yet the league continues to say, even before the news of this morning, that there were going to be a packed house at Super Bowl 55. I don't know how they can make that 
uh, assertion. I mean, they can say it. They can hope for the best. They can cross their fingers. They can wait for a vaccine, whatever the case would be. Um, but when you hear today's news and then you look at their long-term prognosis, like we want our biggest game of the year to be chock full of fans in a stadium, it just doesn't seem feasible. You know, Zubin, um, I'm, it's too bad you didn't have a chance to ask he, uh, this this question because I would have loved to, liked to have known. Yeah, we're we're three weeks into the season. They they've had their their training camp. It's such a competitive disadvantage, I would think, this week for Tennessee. I mean, Pittsburgh gets to practice, right? They get to go through their normal game week. Tennessee, the only way they can do anything is via Zoom. They're back to that again. Players can't be together. At least that's what I uh, saw earlier in the day. I know they can't be in the facility till Saturday at the earliest. Is there a point... Like maybe maybe this is that point where the league and Goodell get involved uh, and say, you know what, we're going to try and uh, massage the schedule so these two, so this game can be played somewhere else. This seems like it's a huge advantage, and these are two unbeaten teams. I remind everybody, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Tennessee can't see the field until Saturday at the earliest. There's no doubt, and let's be honest, Tennessee, to their immense credit, they could easily be zero and three. Right, I mean, yeah. three and zero, three wins off the foot of Goskowski after he missed three field goals and an extra point against your team. The fact is that they're three and zero off his foot. They could be zero and three. Imagine you're zero and three, and then you have this sort of adversity hitting. But they're not. They're three and zero. The one thing I would say with regards to the NFL is they've been out in front on every issue. This is really the first one that they're playing defense against. Right? We're going to have the draft. It was a hit. We're going to have free agency. I'll be honest with you, in the midst of the coronavirus, the Brady free agency story helped us out. Hey, yeah. we're going to get ahead of it and cancel the preseason. We're going to get ahead of it and cancel OTAs, mini camps, rookie camps. Sorry, Joe Burrow, you're just going to have to go out there and, and wing it with no practice. He's looked okay. This is the first story that I think they've had to play defense on. They've already put out a statement, as you guys referenced and said. We'll have to wait to see what happens when some of these tests come back. But I think this is unique for the league because they are now in a position where they're not in a position of strength. They have to basically react to what's happening. Obviously, as you know, the first four weeks of the season were built in a certain way in which some of these games had to be made up on the back end, particularly in the division, even though this is not a divisional game. Uh, that could be done because at the end of the day, if for whatever reason we can't go 16 games over 17 weeks, the NFL, despite what people say, still matters. The sanctity of the division still matters. You still want to play your two games. Winning the division still matters with regards to playoff seeds. And I know this isn't exactly a divisional matchup, but I think at the end of the day, they have their priorities and what they want to save. So we'll be interested to see how this develops. I just think this is one thing where the league is going to finally have to say to itself, even though we're a $15 billion, $15 billion industry, even though we are basically going sight unseen, forging ahead, Nothing is going to stop us. I think this is the first one that's really knocked them back on their track, and we'll see how they react. Now, obviously, it's Tuesday. Um, you know, I don't know what happens if this happened on a Friday or a Saturday, right? I mean, oh, yeah. that could be obviously way more disadvantageous, and I think the league is going to have to think about that moving forward. I can't think they were going to think the rest of the way that things are just going to happen on their timetable or earlier in the week. So if there's a silver lining to all of this, it's the fact that they still have five days to game day. And that may not mean anything if 14-day quarantines and all that stuff go into effect, depending on where you live. But I think this is a very favorable situation with regards to if it were to happen now versus happening on a Friday or a Saturday, and then what would actually happen if that took place. I think the league's obviously got to think about that as a contingency, though, moving ahead. Zubin, did you guys have a conversation uh, back to the the elite game of the late afternoon window, Seattle and the Cowboys? Chris Carson... 
the tackle and basically getting his ankle rolled up on and twisted over there. And what Key had to say about that, a football player, I'd love to get his perspective on, on something like that. Football play, but then going too far and, and seemingly trying to hurt somebody. I'll be honest with you. I think this is the way the media works. Just because so much is going on right now, I, this is what I believe. I believe most people saw that when they heard Pete Carroll complain about it. Yeah. I think if Pete Carroll didn't complain about it, again, if you were watching the game, and it was America's Game of the Week, and a few people do tune in to watch those games late Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. on Fox, I think you would have seen it. But I'll be honest with you. I think with everything going on, it was the final day of the baseball season. I know you guys are baseball guys. A lot of yeah. people don't care. NBA finals were about to be set later that night. Get a giant Sunday night football matchup. Obviously, the presidential debate is today. And that's siphoning people away from sports for cable news. I actually think that's one of those stories where I've taken nothing away from Chris Carson. I hope he's all right. I'm certainly not casting any aspersions on what Pete Carroll would say. But I honestly believe that was one of those stories where Carroll, you know, you know, you got to get out there in the media. You got to talk to the officials. You got to protect your players. But I actually think, even though to your point, it was sort of a dirty type of situation. If Carroll had not explicitly come out, came out and talked about it, I don't think it would be getting the run uh, that it did. Then again, I'm sure that's exactly why he did it. So um, I didn't have a chance too much to talk to Key about it. Um, we did discuss the game, but it was just too much talk. I mean, too much talk meaning good talk on Russell Wilson and everything that he's continuing uh, to do. And so most of our conversation on that game was just focused on him and everything he's got going on uh, right now. But uh, I kind of feel like sometimes the media plays the messenger, and that's what happened here. You know what? To be honest, fellas. This is the first I've heard of that. Oh, really? I was locked on uh, uh, Denver and Tampa oh, Bay yeah, in that sure. window. That's first I've heard of I had no idea. Zubin, let's move on from the NFL. Let's get to the NBA. They will start uh, the quest for a championship. Well, not start the quest. The final stage of the quest will be tomorrow, at least the beginning of it. Uh, it's the Lakers and it's Miami. Who do you think the country wants to see win this? If you could pull the country, I mean, this is the Lakers, and they're obviously a huge, huge brand, and so is LeBron James. Uh, do we want them or do we want the kind of the uh, the underdog? It's easy to pull for them, right? At least that's where I'm at. I would like to see Miami pick them off. I don't give them a chance to do so. Who do, who do you think the country wants? Uh, I think it's probably a 50-50 split with regards to LeBron has been one of the most outspoken people with regards to social justice. I'm totally in his corner. I also work with two former African-American athletes. And I really understand where they're coming from. But I would tell you all of our polling, when we do polling, do you like what we're talking about? We're pretty much the only national morning show that's really going to stick their neck out and say some things. And I understand that because a lot of our competitors have just done so well for decades. They've made a ton of money. They're not just here to, to, you know, they're not here to rock the boat or do anything crazy in the latter stages of their career. But all of our research does tell us that about, you know, 56, more than half of the percentage of people that listen do like the social justice talk, wish there was more of it. But we also know there's about 40% of people that don't want it at all. And so that's a very interesting number. And LeBron has obviously clearly been out in front on social justice. So if for whatever reason you're not in on the social justice, then maybe there's a reason not to root against LeBron personally, because obviously he's done some great things off the floor with his I Promise School and all the things uh, that he's done. But maybe that's a reason to maybe not root for the Lakers. I think if you look at it from the Heat's perspective, there's just so many great storylines in this game. I mean, think about this. Think about how long the season has been. The Lakers media day, guys, where they get together, they take pictures and do all the promotional stuff. Iowa State, of course, Iowa has their media day. You remember covering those all the way through. Miami is getting ready to set the Lakers. The Lakers media day, guys, was September 27th, 2019, okay? <laughs> they learned they were playing the Heat in the finals. 
on September 27th, 2020. So basically, it took a year from the time they rolled up the media day till the time they found out who they would play in the finals. Riley left the Lakers in 1990. Since leaving as an executive, he's been with the Knicks, he's been with the Heat, as you know. He has never faced the Lakers in a playoff series in the 30 years that he has left Los Angeles, which sort of catapulted him uh, to the very top of basketball. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Riley is in the bubble they love it. And the third thing I would say is this is a fact that because LeBron has become so great that it's just rolling off the tongue. We're not really giving it its proper due. Sometimes when you talk about, like, Russell Wilson's touchdown exploit, you just, you just take it for granted. Listen, folks, I mean, listen to this for a second. It's obvious, but you just have to let it marinate for one second. LeBron James has played in nine of the last ten NBA finals. <laughs> that is just an unbelievable <laughs> stat. So we'll see what happens. They've combined for, uh, I believe, 19 NBA championships and this would be great if the Lakers could win their 17th championship and tie the Celtics um, for the most titles ever in a year where Kobe died and they defeated mm. the Celtics to win the championship in 2010. That was Kobe's last championship. Um, getting through the Blazers uh, in the earlier rounds, especially after the first game back at Staples after Kobe's death, was against Portland, the game that they lost with LeBron passing Kobe on the all-time scoring list, wearing a Lakers jersey, and Kobe's adopted hometown of Philadelphia. And the last poignant story that was pointed out by Chris Haynes is a great piece, our old colleague at ESPN, he works at Yahoo. When uh, LeBron first got to town, Kobe said, text me, we'll go out to dinner, we don't have to talk about basketball, but I'm going to give you the lay of the land of Los Angeles, what it's like here. And they were just so busy. Kobe was in the second act of his life, director, Mamba Academy, doing everything. LeBron obviously still playing. And LeBron said the other day, one of the biggest regrets of his entire life was that that text never came through. They never went out to that dinner that they both mm. said they were going to go to. So if you think about all the poignant things that tie LeBron and Kobe together, plus the fact that you're going to be waiting pretty much 11 months to crown an NBA champion, the NBA is always crowned a champion. They've never failed to crown a champion in their 74 years. This is the 74th year. People said they couldn't get out of the bubble. Now they're going to finish it. And as Giannis said, people, when people think this title isn't legitimate or not, Giannis said this is the most adversity-filled title anybody could have. And always remember, the Spurs want to 50-game championship in 99. They're not going to use that as a demerit when Pop goes into Springfield. And LeBron himself won a 66-game title in 2012-2013, and nobody talks about that title like it isn't legit. So I think as time goes on, people will actually remember that this was actually a much tougher-than-anticipated title, and there will likely not be an asterisk next to it. If the Heat do pull this upset and find a way to win this series, is it apt to compare this to... The last time the Lakers laid an egg in the NBA Finals when the Pistons got them with Rasheed Wallace and company when they beat the Shaq-Kobe Lakers, is that an apt comparison? Absolutely, because I think that team with Mr. Big Shot, Chauncey Billups, and the guys hmm. that you just mentioned, uh, they were the prohibitive underdog, and the Heat are a massive underdog in this series. I think the one advantage they probably do have, I'm not sure it really matters, is they probably do, according to many experts, I mean, I, I just watched the league, but according to our experts, uh, they probably do have the better coach. It sort of feels like Brad Stevens was the most analytical coach in the league, and then he ran into a guy that was more analytical than them. If you're looking for a story to root for for Spolstra, uh, we, we've been calling it from the dungeon to Disney. He started as the video coordinator. You always hear those stories, right? The guys in the old school. Not today, you just point and click. But back then, you were cutting up tape and doing all this manual labor, and Riley handpicked him. And it's an amazing story for him. His father was a longtime executive in the NBA. He played college basketball at the University of Portland. And so I think it would be a great story for Spolstra. And it would be an idea that, you know, hey, look, man, 
those couple championships you won, well, you did have LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. For him to win a championship here where your best player is Jimmy Butler, taking nothing away from Jimmy Butler, but knocking off LeBron and AD to do it, I just think it would probably give him the bona fide that he's probably deserved the entire way but hasn't gotten. Hmm. Zubin, uh, last topic for us, college football. We've seen some crazy results so far. Uh, encouraging uh, tweet just uh, from CBS Sports public relations mississippi state lsu most watched uh, college football game but up 23 percent from last year i mean trent and i both felt like college football started this past weekend no offense to the other three weeks that we watched uh, on the edge of our seat because we love college football but it just felt different this this weekend zubin and it seems like the numbers are bearing that out but the results Maybe the biggest takeaway from this weekend was just the craziness that we've seen so far in college football. I couldn't agree. We had Feinbaum on this morning, and we have him on every week, and Paul is Mr. SEC. If there's one sort of silver lining to this sort of delayed schedule is that you don't have to wait until like week three or week four to really ramp up and get the games that you want because there's no non-con and all of that. I do think in some small way, uh, that has helped. But to your point, listen, I, there's only so much Clemson Wake Forest you can watch. There's only so you know there's, right. there's just only so much of that you can watch. It's not interesting. It really isn't. And I'll tell you what I you know I mean I, this is just me personally. The day after uh, Ole Miss lost, I was sitting there looking at Matt Coral and and mm. Plumley, and I'm like, wait a minute, this team just got blown out. And I'm sitting there looking at Georgia's quarterback situation with JT Daniels possibly mm. back this weekend. I'm thinking to myself. This is a game that you, I heard you guys yesterday. This is 7-5 at the half. The SEC, like I said, the bottom rung, the middle rung, the top rung, with Alabama getting ready for A&M, and then LSU and Georgia, LSU-Alabama still to come. There's just something about this league that makes it different. And it's like akin to like you know having to watch a regional game at 1 o'clock in the NFL or licking your chops for Sunday night football, no matter who the opposition is. And that's how I kind of feel about the SEC and the rest of college football. There's nothing... You can do. Is Miami back? I don't know. Maybe. Is Florida State back? Definitely not. But those stories pale in comparison to everything going on uh, in the SEC. I agree with you. Football has been back, but there's just something special about uh, this league. I mean, and it's just one of those things where, to me, even the losing teams are fascinating. I mean, Texas A&M 17-12 win over Vanderbilt is fascinating because they have Bama next. There's just no other league in the country where you can just look at 17-12 games and think it was anything but boring. But in the SEC, it could really be a sign of things to come. So I'm really, really glad it's back. And, and I have a feeling the Big Ten is probably going to be the exact same way. Not so much for the Pac-12, other than the very top of the league. But I have a feeling the excitement that you're seeing, not just because of where you guys are sitting right now, but across the country, I do believe the opening weekend of the Big Ten will feel a lot like what we saw last week with the SEC. Get you out on this. Central Florida looks outstanding a better chance this year for a team like Central Florida to get into the college football playoff, or is it going to be more difficult now with the Big Ten, Pac-12 uh, coming back into play? Any shot at all for the Central Florida and Cincinnati's of the world? I do believe this is their best shot, but I Me still too. think it's slim because I think in it an is. unpredictable year, you can bank on something like that happening. I mean, nobody could have banked on Oklahoma. One more little slip-up, and boom, Trent, the Big 12's pretty much out. Mm-hmm. You can pretty much guess the Pac-12 is going to be out, right? So you got three leagues left. You never know what could happen in the other three. You crown three champions, and uh-oh, you got a fourth spot available. Maybe two SEC teams, maybe not. I just think when things stand pat, it has essentially been shown that pre-coronavirus, so 2014 to essentially last year's college football playoff, when everything was quote-unquote normal, 
there was no chance for a group of five team to make it. I know UCF looked very good. They knocked off Auburn in the Peach Bowl. They won 25 games in a row, all this sort of stuff. But even in a normal scenario, when they had a bigger sample size to prove themselves, they were never close to making the playoffs. The only way I think they can make it is if things get shaken up and somehow something becomes unpredictable. Obviously, this is the year for unpredictability. So I think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now, just because I think when things stand pat, the sample size is large enough to show that the committee just does not consider these teams. Zubin Mahente, ESPN Radio Mornings on ESPN. Zubin, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you in a week time. Great stuff as always, Zubin. Thank you. You got it, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. Trent, I just looked up Central Florida, Cincinnati. They play on the 21st of November. Uh, trying to see if there's a window in there that uh, finding marquee games that week. Penn State, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, K-State, Iowa State, those are the two locally. Kentucky, Alabama, LSU, Arkansas, no thanks. Um, who was Ohio State play? Uh, I don't see Ohio State. Well, I'm sure they got to play. Um, but point being is if, we're, if those two AAC teams are unbeaten, it's a pretty big spot potentially, right? Yeah. Oklahoma State and the Bedlam's that weekend. They'll find a spot for it. That'll, that'll so. probably get some good coverage. And if they are both undefeated, oh, Indiana and Ohio State, so meh. that that'll ramp things up in a big time way. What they're going to need, remember, the SEC is playing ten conference games. Yep. They can't have a second team from there. Nope. One from the SEC, one from the ACC, and one from the other three remaining, and then everybody else has two losses or more. And that's the path that you get to in order for that to happen. I read a piece, well, locally, uh, Petey wrote it, that the Big 12 is, I couldn't disagree with him more. I think the Big 12 is absolutely cooked. Yeah, and, unless Texas eh, runs the table. Texas gave up 57 to Texas Tech. Unless Oklahoma State, a team that struggled with Tulsa a couple I, weeks ago. just did, man. I, from what I've seen so far in the Big 12, I don't think they have a playoff prayer. Now, remember when oh, six years ago we were throwing dirt on Ohio State two weeks in? They lost to Virginia Tech, no way. Not only did they get in, they won the college football playoff. Yeah, you know One what? loss you can afford. Mm-hmm. Got to be perfect. But the Big 12 as a whole also, what happened in non-conference is going to hurt them more than any other conference. Most of the other conferences aren't playing non-conference. Those three Sun Belt losses are going to linger for a long time. Excellent point. Miller and Condon, final segment next. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Coming soon. Woo-hoo! Love this show. It's so good. So good. All right, Miller Condon, final couple of minutes here Tuesday. Hour away. Oh, it's just an hour away. Temperature in uh, the Twin Cities, high of 60, 65 here today. So perfect. No rain in the forecast. Light wind. I shouldn't say that. Winds 10 to 15, but that's all right. Uh, can handle that. Yeah, indeed. I mean, by the by the weekend, it's going to be in the 40s in Twin Cities. So playing good weather today. Hope they get off on the right foot. I'd like to see the White Sox do the same thing. I want the White Sox and the Twins mm-hmm. in the division series. That would be oh, outstanding. The five-gamer. Have to figure out a bet with Roberts and with Songer and <laughs> figure out what we're going to do on that one. I bet but... you see Crochet. That would be my bet. This kid from the University of Tennessee in March to what he's doing now, big, tall, lefty, 6'6", six, six out of the bullpen. They've got something there. He throws every one of his pitches is a hundred plus. 
Speaking of the Twins, no Donaldson. That was just announced a little bit ago as their playoff roster was set. He got hurt on Friday night. Buxton was also hurt on Friday night as he was hit by a pitch. Imagine that. He is going to uh, be on the playoff roster, though, and he'll get the start here. But we are an hour away from playoff baseball, and the butterflies continue. Mm -hmm. I got a couple of meetings this afternoon, so I'll be, well, luckily uh, with advancement of technology, I'll be able to watch on my phone as I'm making my way across the city and Hopefully find a spot to watch the last few innings at the very least. Well, we've got David Kaplan tomorrow, 11.05, sponsored by Centurion Stone of Iowa. More on the White Sox, more on the Cubs, more on the quarterback for the Bears, who's been named, Nick Foles been named to start this coming weekend. Of course he was. Uh, that's going to do it. Murph and Andy coming up at 2, Fanatics at 4. Cyclone Radio tonight, right? I think the uh, their show is on the yep, air tonight. Yep, it'll be Hines and Petey. Hines and Petey at 6 o'clock. Morning Rush tomorrow at 6. Thanks for being here. 1460 KXNO, 106.